Well, good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful Sunday, spring. What are you doing inside? It's good to be here in church. One day we'll just do a spring church outside and uh, just enjoy the sun. It's so lovely. So lovely. Well, a huge welcome if it's your first time here. I hope you um, settle in and just get a sense of life. Spring is life, hey. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, as we come around your word, Lord, speak to us through the power of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and in that fusion, Lord, that there'd be life inside of us that would flow out to our world. To touch this message, speak to us personally and give us your your sense of what you want to do in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been on a journey all month of life flowing out and just making this really, uh, what does it mean to have life flowing out from us? And if you go back, we looked at the Dead Sea effect, how, how a lot of our world is kind of like the Dead Sea and drifting. And it says in the Bible, if you've ever been to the Dead Sea, that everything is kind of dead. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. It's so salty that nothing lives there. Everything uh, is, is kind of just suffering because there's too much salt. And so a lot of our world is, is kind of in a little bit of chaos and death and decay. And, and that's, that's the reality of our condition. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Reese, I feel like I'm really loud and echoey. Is that true? It doesn't give me any headroom, so... Uh, I'll pull back a little bit. Thanks. And so we live in a world of separation from God, like each other. We live in a world that's separated from our environment, and we see all kinds of situations in our world that are really not right. And we look at them, and we go, you know what? This shouldn't be like it is. And we see just, you know, natural disasters, and we see a relationship breakdown, and we see our own self kind of a little bit bent and twisted, and that's, that's the reality of life that we have in our world. And we could leave it at there, and we could sort of promote good causes and be good citizens and try and change things in the, in the government and political scene and stuff. Or we could tap into something that really brings life. Because there's a river. Did you know that? There's a river, and we talked about this river that flows from the throne of God. It talks about it in Ezekiel 47 in the Old Testament. It talks about it in the New Testament. In Revelation 22, Jesus talks about it in John 7. And he says, if anyone believes in me, there'll be a river flowing out of them that will bless the world. And so you and I are called not just to, to kind of stumble along in the darkness and try and fix this up a little bit. Now you and I are called to tap into a river of life that actually changes things. You see, you can do good works, right? And it's good. You can be a kind person and, and you can... Look after people, or you can tap into the river of God that comes inside of you and flows out of you, and that's called being born again. That's when you come to know Christ on the inside of you, and there's this contagion. You can't, you can't dam this thing up, it just has to flow out. There's this life, even though we're imperfect. That's what happens when we're born again. But see, the thing is to release 
this river of God inside of us, this river of blessing for other people, it actually requires human initiative. Shock horror. We got a part to play. I mean, wouldn't it be lovely if we just turn up to work tomorrow morning and I've got this river of blessing flowing through me and people look at me and they go, wow, Jeff, what happened to you? I went to church on Sunday. And you know, and, and you look at the coffee pot and it instantly becomes the best coffee. And lunch, you know, like you could just... But actually, the river of God inside of us is a tap. And we got the tap. People have the tap. It's called human agency. This human condition that we actually choose whether we want to release this river of blessing inside of us or whether we just want to go along with the flow. And, and so I, I call it, well, Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Last week, I preached on the Good Samaritan. If you missed that message, it's a key message for us. Jump onto your app, see through Church Bathurst app. Look at the message section and you'll see it there. But Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and basically challenges this ruler and says, which of these people were good neighbors? And then he says, you go and do likewise. You see, we have to go and do to be a blessing to the people around us. That's what Jesus really emphasized with that whole story in Luke 10. Do I got thinking? How, how do we go and do? How, how do we intentionally be a blessing to our world? And I got thinking about the danger zone, you know, top gear a little while ago, top, top gun, top gun. Most of us don't live in the danger zone. Most of us live in the comfort zone. Right? There's a picture up here. And a lot of us live in the comfort zone. This is an educational idea where people best learn, not where they're not challenged, but where they're challenged just a little bit beyond where they'd like to be. Not too far. It's called the panic zone. Students don't like to be kind of completely, you know, out. But if we can push people a little bit into a growth zone, then life starts to flow. You can apply this to just about anything you like. Playing a sport, you know, you can, I think Bell's just gone out. No, who was it that said it was, it was Wendy. She ran 50 kilometers without training. Amazing, except it almost killed her. Like that's the panic zone. You can apply to exercise. Like tomorrow I'm going to lift, you know, my own body weight. I'm going to run 50Ks. That's the panic zone. But actually, it might just be better to start with a walk. It might, it might just be better to lift 5Ks on each arm, you know. So this idea of pushing each other out into the growth zone, you can apply it to love and people being blessed. And so here's an idea. I see Jesus continually pushing his friends, his disciples, beyond their natural life. He keeps, he keeps pushing them out. Our tendency is to sit on our couches and work from home and just be all cozy with our coffee. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Except that there's no growth there. There's no life there. If we haven't got something in our life, something in our world, which is kind of pushing us 
out a little bit. That's right, I work from home um, a lot of the time. Speaking to myself, it'd be so nice just to stay there. But, but actually, the world outside of us is, is a little bit challenged. Okay, so here's, here's the key thinking for they. Jesus did acts of mercy. And if you look at, look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see how he did individual acts of mercy and acts of mercy that were a little bit more organized, like he needed friends to help him. Okay? There's some organizational world going on. It wasn't just him. And then you read the Bible and there's kind of Jesus gets interrupted a lot. And there's sometimes where he's intentionally going to do something. And so I want to chart some ideas around that and then help us in our thinking. Do you remember when Jesus was coming into Jericho in Mark 10? And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, there was a great crowd. Wherever Jesus went, there were crowds and crowds of people. And there was a guy called Bartimaeus. I'm reading from Luke 10, 46. He was a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. And he was sitting by the roadside. So here's the guy, no social welfare, no, no kind of help. He's, he's just sitting there. Someone's dragged in there. He's obviously someone important. He's the son of somebody he's mentioned there. But he's sitting by the side of the road and he hears something. He hears a crowd. There's, there's people milling around. He sees voices and noises coming. And, and then he realizes that it's Jesus. He realizes that along this road that he's sitting on, that there's this entourage that's going to pass him. And it's actually Jesus. It's actually the Son of God himself. He starts getting excited. Here's my chance. Here's my chance to see again. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, verse 47, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Many rebuked him. Hey, Bartimaeus, shh. Be quiet. Back in your box, Bart. Many rebuked him, telling him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. The time Jesus stops, he's in line with him. He says, call him. And they call the blind man. Say, hey, take heart. Get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. I mean, it'd be quite a scene, wouldn't it? I mean, he's blind. He's kind of heard Jesus. He says, Jesus, call And he just takes off whatever he's wearing and jumps in and finds Jesus stumbling through, I'm sure. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, isn't that obvious? But he, he's trying to elicit something here. The man said to him, Rabbi, teacher, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Gets back his sight. And he says, oh, I may as well just follow Jesus. And he joins the crowd and, and off he goes. It's an example of Jesus doing something, an act of mercy as he walks along the road, you see, as he's going, he's interrupted. I don't know. I've got no idea if that was a planned event. 
Jesus is going, I'm going to go from Jericho to Jerusalem. And as I travel, I know there's a guy called Bartimaeus and I'm going to get. I don't think so. I think Jesus is just tuned in to what God's showing him. And he's tuned in to people's needs. And for some reason, he goes, hey, Bart, come on. See, it's, it's, a, it's an, almost an accidental act of mercy as he traveled along the road. I, 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 could, I could help this guy. I could do something about it. But Jesus also was very intentional about where he went and why he did it. And again, you see many examples in the Gospels about that. Like, for example, in Mark 138, right at the beginning, he's having this hugely successful time in Capernaum when the whole town is at his door. He's healing people. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. They're all excited. It's all happening. And the next morning they wake up and Jesus is missing. It's like our superstar's gone. You can, you can picture his friends going, oh, no, like we're just, revival's in the air here, but, but Jesus is missing. What do we do? How do we help? And they finally find Jesus, who's up some mountain somewhere praying, away from the crowds. And they said, Jesus, come back like they're all waiting for you. And he said to them, let's go to the next town. <laughs> let's move on that I may preach there also, for that's why I came out. Like, that's odd, isn't it? Like, wouldn't you stick around and be famous? He's an influencer. He's made it. He says, nah, I don't want to be an influencer. I want to go to the next town. I want to go to the next place. I want to preach and I want to heal more people in different places. And so you can see here the, the intentionality behind Jesus. What he's, he's thinking about, he's listening to God, remember, God is directing him, go here, go there. He just, he always follows what his father directs him to do. Can you see the pattern here? Jesus has gone from an individual kind of accidental or interrupted encounter with Bartimaeus. He heals him to an intentional idea where he goes to other towns. Now, he's not sitting in his comfort zone right now. I'm going to go out. I'm going to make a decision to step out. But see, you could almost look like that's alone. Just Jesus doing his thing on his own acts of mercy, individual. But now look what happens. He gets interrupted with his friends together. Again, again, Jesus. This is just Mark 8. Uh, sorry, Mark 6. Jesus is teaching the crowds. There's thousands and thousands of people there. He managed to teach all day. People were genuinely captured by his message. He'd go out somewhere and, and literally the crowds would throng to him, not just because he was working miracles, but they, they just loved his teaching. Like, man, no one else has taught us like this. No one else has spoken with such authority as you, Jesus. We just want to hang off every word that you're saying. There's power in his word. <laughs> and it grew late. Jesus got carried away. This is Mark 6.35. It grew late. And his disciples came to him and said, uh, Jesus, this is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. We've got no food, Jesus. 
and there's 5,000 people here. But he answered, 37, you give them something to eat. So his friends, his disciples, milling around, he goes, why don't, why don't you feed them? And they said to him, like, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? Now, denarii is a day's wage for a laborer. I don't know, I'm thinking $250. I don't know what a laborer earns these days, but that's, that was kind of the benchmark, right? So he says, 200 denarii. That's, that's kind of a lot. I can't do the maths right now. 200 times 250. That's $70. That's a lot. Right? And his disciples go, uh, Hey, Pete, you got any? <laughs> Mark? Bit short this week. Uh, Thomas? Judas, <laughs> I bet you got some. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, I want you to see, there's lots in this passage, of course. I just want you to see the, the interrupted intentionality here. Sorry, the interrupted feeding with others. He says, you, you go and do it. Go and scour around how many fish, how many bread, what have you got? And they came back and they said, five loaves and two fish. He commanded them to sit down in the groups and grass. They sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties, taking the loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the people. You see what's happening here? The team, church, together. They're doing it together. They're going and sourcing the food together. They're, they're organizing the people in groups together. He's giving it to them to distribute together. You see, there is a planned, interrupted act of mercy. Got it? There's some things that are just too hard to do individually, like feeding 5,000 people, even if you're Jesus. He worked a miracle together with his friends, his disciples. You got it? And so you can be an interrupted church and you go, all right, together, let's do something. Like right now, because there's a need right now. That's the core of this message. Likewise, ah, let me just finish this. It says, they were all satisfied at the end. They all ate and were satisfied. The last one here, last quadrant, is the intentionality with others. So Jesus would do things intentionally with other people, not, not kind of, or actually, <laughs> we should feed these people, like, you know, interrupted, accidental kind of thing. But, but there was a sense of there's intentional together. Mark 6 called the 12 together. Mark 6, verse 7. He began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. Verse 12 says, they went out and proclaimed the people should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is called a mission trip. He gets them together, talks them through. This is where you want to go. This is what I want to do. This is what I want you to do and say and heal people. And they did it together. I see planning here. I see focus. I see intentionality together. Again, something that they couldn't have done just on their own. They're going out in pairs. 
They've got to agree together. They've got to walk together. They've got to understand each other. They've got to, you know, there's, there's, when you do something together, there's disagreement. I reckon we should, no, let's go here. What about, you've got to, you know, do something together. Miraculous things happen. I want you to see this. Jesus, acts of mercy, as he walked along and planned, both in his own capacity, but also organizing things together. You see it? Well, guess what? We're the same. Let's look at this. If I raise that bit here, and I come back to just what it looks like for me. Jesus gave us a clear example here. What does it look like for me this week? Individually. How would I release life flowing out? What about this one? Me today, this week. Have I got space to be interrupted in my week? Can I walk along the week and not be so focused and plan to be interrupted? Do you ever put yourself in that space? Yeah, I'm just going to go for a walk and see if I can be interrupted. What, what, if, what if the start of a day, you say, I'm going to, I don't know, the middle of the day, afternoon, I'm, I'm going to go looking for a problem. I'm going to go looking to see if I can help someone. Wouldn't that radically change your day? Like we plan so much else. We plan when we're going to eat, what we're going to eat. We plan our work life. We probably, you know, plan stuff around the home and we on Sundays and do this and Saturdays. And, you know, so we, we live a life of planning. But I wonder, do we intentionally plan in some interruptible time? What might that look like? This is where it's starting to get exciting. And, and could I plan some intentional things? Can I get myself out of the chair, out of the comfort zone? I remember years ago when we first married, I did one of these things. I'm going to go and just see if I can bless somebody. I mean, I'm talking first year of marriage, maybe first month of marriage. And I came across this lady called Helen. It was homeless. She was in the park in Sydney. We lived in Sydney, in the inner west. And uh, she's sitting there with her, her dog. And a rather large lady, she had a dog on her lap. Like a little, a little what are those little dogs called? Chihuahua, maybe a chihuahua, yeah. Little dog. She's sitting there and she's quite desperate. She said, I've just been kicked out of my home said, i got a spare bed. Why don't you come home and live with us? <laughs> this is true. I came home and said, bro, this is Helen. She's going to stay the night. I think at that point, uh, Ro was in the panic zone. And I was going, what's wrong with that? We've got a spare bed. We can look after her. I learned a lot about marriage after that. <laughs> Consulting, talking it through. and uh, She actually stayed with us for a maybe a week, and then we found us some suitable accommodation that was <laughs> better for a care, right? And maybe it was naive, and maybe it was presumptuous and all that, but, but I just felt like I wanted to help this lady. 
and do something about it. And uh, so just, you know, you don't have to go to the panic zone, but you can go to the growth zone. You can do something. You can bless somebody. Now, I'm not just talking about just doing good things. Please hear me. Anybody can help somebody, and we should. I'm talking about releasing the river of God that's inside of you. I'm talking about out of your salvation. Because when you're born again, you actually receive the Holy Spirit inside of you so that it, it must flow out. It, it has to flow out. It's not trying to be good. All, right? All of us can try that, but that's, this is not a kind of go and be good kind of message. This is a turn on the tap. Like release something that's genuinely inside of you and you will find yourselves in situations where life just has to flow. Maybe you'll meet somebody that just, you can just really bless. Maybe it's just an interrupted walk around town. Maybe it's an intentional going to do something. Like, like you know, maybe you're going to plan to go and visit somebody. You know, like most somebody's lawn or whatever, but you want to release something. But, but then there's the, the together bit. As a church, like Jesus organized his disciples. What, what could we do together that might help people? How can we bless people together? And that's the art. So like Thailand, we, we take a mission trip to Thailand and we go and we bless people and we, and we put electricity in, Graham, in the stinking heat. You use your gifts and, and you give kids in Thailand electricity. It's amazing. We'll, we'll erase this from the tape, you know, no liability, because it's working with very interesting standards. <laughs> but you did it. You did it. Playing with kids and blessing kids, you know. So, but that takes planning. <laughs> Some planning. It takes organizing the church together. And maybe we can be interrupted as we do that. We go, oh, actually, we should be doing this, not that. And we, but, but see, we can be interrupted when you're already out of your chair. You, you can be change your direction. Oh, instead of doing this, we'll go into that. But, but there's a river flowing out of you. That's what Life Build Vision is about. That's what this is about in front of you. And next Sunday, we're going to take some time to, to take up this pledge so that together we can do the things that we can't do alone. We should be doing things alone. It's the heartbeat of, of life flowing out. But, but there's, there's actually way more that we can do together, organizing. And this is around facilities. What kind of facilities does this church need in the future to be a planned blessing to our community. That's the point. So we're going to grab one of these and take it home later on. But that's what this is about. Is it time? Is it money? What is it going to take to release the blessing in the river of God from you? On your seat, there is also another card. This is fun. Step into the growth zone. Unless it's intentional, it's probably not going to happen. This week, my intentional act of mercy is, right? I'm going to give you some time. It's two things I want to wrap up with. One is this. 
One is thinking, how can I just this week, how can I step in and bless someone? Is it a neighbor? Is it a colleague? Have you noticed something somewhere that you could just step into your growth zone, perhaps out of your chair and into the growth zone? Don't, don't go all the way to the danger zone. I've been there, learned my lesson. But just step into the growth zone. What would it look like? And I want you to write it down and stick it somewhere in your Bible or in your pocket or somewhere and just let this bother you until it's finished. I'm going to give you some time in a moment. The second thing is stepping into the river of God. And maybe you're here and you go, I, I don't even, I could do good things, but I don't have this river of God inside of me that can actually be a blessing. I don't, my heart doesn't want to help people. My heart doesn't want to move. You know, I've, I, need, I need to know God first. And then I bet there's going to be a river that flows. That's the second thing I want you to think through. And if you find yourself in that place, then we'd love to pray for you after the service. I'm going to give you two or three minutes. I'm going to jump on this keyboard machine and then Rosemary's going to wrap up. But have a think. How could I step into the growth zone this week? One intentional act of mercy. And I bet that could unlock a whole lot of ideas if they're interrupted. So let me pray for you just before you do that. Lord Jesus, I pray as we think about our world and how we want to go and do likewise, like you said. How we want to unlock and turn the tap so that this river of God inside of us that comes straight from your throne would seep out intentionally into the world around us. Lord, just even right now, as we just pray and ponder for a moment, bring to mind people, situations, and need. In Jesus' name.